everybody out there in the galaxy, it's time for Star Wars All In, the show that goes in all the people, places, things and concepts, and stuff from that galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow Mandalorian enthusiast, Ross. Mac, I like how you just said stuff there. That was good. I like throwing what we stuff do. in at the end. If we had enough available characters in our Twitter bio, I would add that in. But I don't think <laughs> <Stuff>. we do. <laughs> uh, we've got a fun episode tonight. Yeah. It was a long day for both of us for different reasons. A little punchy. Um, so we are doing two topics tonight. We are going to start off with IG-11. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about him for, what, 25 minutes probably, give or yeah, take. We'll see. Yeah, 20, yeah. We'll see how that goes. And then we're going to fly on over to Alderaan and talk specifically about the two-minute scene from a New Hope, the destruction of Alderaan. Mm-hmm. Kind of a classic one. Maybe, arguably, maybe one of the best ones. We'll, we'll talk about so. it. I I just want to let you know, it's a discussion. We're not really doing like a scene breakdown. It's just, we're going to talk about the destruction of Alderaan and what that meant to the galaxy and that scene. Cool. And what it meant to us. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Ready to do it? Let's do it. Right after this. talk about another Halloween Labs product, the IG-11 model. IG-11, that sounds familiar. Where do we know IG-11 from? We first see IG-11, well, we first see a IG-11, also the character IG-11, go figure. I don't know if it's a model number or just a a single droid, (laughs) but we see them in uh, the beginning of Mandalore. So Mandalore Chapter 1, we get to meet another IG assassin droid, except for this time we get to see what they do. (laughs) Yes, for the first time ever uh, in live action, we get to see them move and groove and shoot people down. Uh, So where are we here? We are basically at the uh, towards the tail end of Chapter 1 of The Mandalorian, as you were saying. And uh, our our hero is uh, up on the ridge, looking down on this encampment, trying to figure out uh, what plan of attack he'll take. When all of a sudden he sees one of those darn droids just walking right up to the front gate, trying to be all high and mighty and get this this uh, this package that they're after. Yeah, at this point, our hero, the Mandalorian, we have established he has a severe prejudice against droids (laughs) yes yes he does uh so as he sees this droid going up he knows that uh his plan is now uh shot yeah (laughs) not happening yeah and it's it i i love this scene because it's very much a very classic old western remind me like scenes from like uh sort of towards the end of bush cassidy and sundance kid of like you have this very obvious like square plaza outside this compound and you really kind of know the stakes of like kind of where the vil- villains are, how many about there are. They've got this turret gun that they're using. Mm-hmm. And we basically see IG-11 just systematically trying to destroy them. And the Mandalore getting down there like, you idiot. You're not going to be able to do this. There's too many of them. You're stupid. Yeah. Uh, and But we do see before that some really great combat from that IG unit. We see him spinning around at the hips and his arms and his head and moving every which way. And I love the way he sort of like stutter steps, just kind of like, like you know, like just kind of moves one little purposeful motion at a time. Uh, we saw it a little bit in the Clone Wars with some IG units and the way they move, but to see it in live action was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, one thing we established in Clone Wars was taking the fact that like the IG models that we've seen, whether they're, you know, everything outside like the Magna Guards, they don't have a front. 
their front or their back can be their front or their back. They're ambidextrous yeah. and they don't have, you know, they can bend both directions. And we see IG-11 kind of incorporate this by there are times where he's shooting in front of him and then he flips his arms and just twists them and then he's shooting the other direction. There's parts where he's like sidestepping people like by just what would be like dislocating his hips. We're just being reminded constantly he doesn't have human anatomy. Ergo, he does not need to move like a person because <laughs> he moves terrifyingly precise. Yes, yes, 100%. Not exactly like a... Well, like Max said, not like a person, so not like a Terminator or anything you've seen like that before uh, that you'd picture like a metal skeleton doing. This is very like, almost like it's got no knees. Yeah. Like it's walking very straight legged, like a stick keeping it totally straight up. Yeah, it's kind of like swiveling its mm-hmm. hips more than it's like swinging its legs backwards and forwards. Yeah, totally, totally. So we see our uh, IG unit here take some damage. And he turns immediately to wanting to self-destruct because he can't be captured. I, my unit cannot be captured. And let's also, I'll put this out. He's got a charming personality. It's it's <laughs> it's kind of a callback to a character we haven't talked about, HK-47, of the idea of having uh-huh. fun with a droid that, like, is completely disconnected from morality, but not in a, like, oh, they're evil. No, they're not evil. They just don't understand good and evil. They just are mm-hmm. so like he's like i will destroy myself and he has of course no compunctions about that there's no fear of dying or anything <laughs> like that he's just like i have a thermal detonator in my chest i'm going to use it mm-hmm. um and luckily he doesn't end up having to because uh our hero who he is uh sort of forced to working with here is able to overcome uh the rest of their adversaries and uh make it so he doesn't have to blow everybody up so at the end it's kind of this weird thing where they have sort of found enough common ground that they're like, okay, we can work together. And the droid's like, well, you know, as, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll split it. And, and it's fun watching a droid, like, try to negotiate a deal because he barely does. He's like, yeah. we will split it. Mando's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And what I love about that interaction is we get a little bit of detail about the Bounty Hunters Guild from IG-11 that yes. we didn't really... I mean, no up until this point, or at least was not in anywhere in canon, which is basically like there's a point system. So it's sort of like there's leaderboards within the Bounty Hunters Guild. Yeah, I, I think that there are because I think that's how they figure out their rates. I see. I know nothing about that. So for me watching The Mandalorian the first time, um, you know, it was the first time I'd ever heard of anything well, like no, that. Well, I, no, I don't think we've ever... Like, there were things pre-canon erasure of, yeah. like, maybe how bounty hunting worked in the Galactic Scale. But when I heard points, that's what I just thought of. Is, like, it's it's like... I thought of points in hockey. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, well, you guys uh, did this one. You know, you guys went into overtime, so that's an extra point. Yeah, Like, okay. you know, you did special things, or you followed the rules, or you did X, Y, and Z. So you get points. Well, what do the points mean? The points means that we'll slide better pucks your way. Okay, okay. Because IG-11 is very mad. He's like, no, I have the transponder. I have the puck. Go pound sand. <laughs> like, this is my job. Yeah. And as they shoot down the door, take out the last couple of uh, their uh, their enemies there, uh, they uncover that the package that they're after is a little 50-year-old baby green thing with giant ears yes and the ig-11 wants to go ahead and just cap it end it right here <laughs> ig-11 just starts raising his gun gun is like well we're supposed to destroy it that's our job yeah and Mando's like yeah but do we have to we can bring it in alive and he's like but that's not the job <laughs> which is interesting because the client does tell mando dead or alive well remember that in theory ig-11 has the official puck from the bounty hunters guild which is a destroy the mando Uh, has the imperial transponder which will also get into the same thing but he's working for the imperials he's not working whatever job ig-11 is they're just after the same target see that's interesting though because later in the show uh he talks to uh the mandalorian talks to grief karga about you know how many did you give out and he goes i gave everyone one yeah okay so interesting i i well i think we're not meant to know i mean i think is the first thing I, it's here. supposed it's to be like, sketchy and weird and yeah we're not meant to know all the details and break this down and honestly that's okay because while we might not know them yet we only have a single season of this tv show and so far a few episodes of this character so you know we might get more of that as we go but that's not the point because at this point ig11 gets a 
<laughs> a laser blast to the dome. Yes. Yeah, he uh, he goes down hard. So because the Mandalorian does not agree with uh, killing this uh, this small green thing that they innocent. just discovered, yeah, uh, they uh, he he just kind of secretly and quickly uh, destroys IG Eleven by shooting him in the head. And uh, as the episode ends, you see IG-11 kind of smoking there on the floor. With a big hole. With a big old hole in the head. And you would think that's all we would see of him. But uh, six episodes later, episode seven. What was it? Was episode one directed by him? I think it was. Was, uh, it? was I'm that one sorry? of his? No, episode was one was directed by Dave Filoni. Okay. Yeah, Taika Watiti, who is the voice of IG-11, only directed episode eight of the show. Okay, so. Yeah, just he was the only director, I think, who did one episode. No, Dave Filoni also, or I'm sorry, John Favreau also only directed one episode, if I remember gotcha. correctly. Everybody else did two. Yeah, so, um, so, Watini would be also, he would eventually direct himself because that is not the end of IG-11. No, it's not. So in episode seven, um, we uh, find ourselves with Kuil again, which is a character we haven't mentioned, but this is a little uh, Ugnot character who helped the Mandalorian in episode one and two of the show. And uh, he is now back. And lo and behold, while the Mandalorian is talking to Quill, uh, who should come in but a reprogrammed, rebuilt IG-11. And the man is like basically going for his gun. And, the, yeah. and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. He's okay. He's fine. <laughs> fine. He's like, he's wired for killing. <laughs> And Kawil's like, no, 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 it's fine. And then it goes into a fun montage. It does have a fun montage. Who doesn't love a character that has a montage? In fact, is this our first Star Wars montage ever in live action? I feel like Clone Wars probably had one somewhere in there, but I don't know. But in live action. Oh, in live action, I... You wouldn't no, consider Luke and Leia no. training in episode nine a montage. Technically, would you? Order 66 would be a montage. Oh, you're 100% right. Yeah. You're 100% right. Order we don't 66. probably think about it because we think of like montages like, I'm training and I'm becoming better yeah. at stuff and high fives everywhere. Yeah. No, you're 100 and Order 66 you, is the opposite of that. You are 100% right. Order 66 is our other montage in Star Wars live action. Nice call out. Very yeah. good. I'm glad I didn't. you didn't agree with me and just No, on. you're okay. Because that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> So we have uh, we have that like IG-11 was reprogrammed and we have this fun thing where like, well, apparently you could program a droid through like computers and stuff. So Kuil does say the line, I think, and I didn't look this up, uh, I, its neural cortex had to be completely rebuilt or relearned or something like that. Basically, the droids over time in Star Wars, especially in current Star Wars EU, you know, in Star Wars canon, yeah. uh, over time learn and their personalities adapt and change based on a how they were programmed and b the experiences they've been through so mm. you can keep a droid very standard and basic if you continually reflash it if you basically reprogram yeah, you it set it back memory, to zero you're trying to get it back to factory refresh and the the upside downside is if you let a droid keep working on its experience it will become more eccentric mm -hmm. and may have more of a personality which isn't beneficial if you just wanted to do the job yeah. you paid for and a higher skill set it can but it learn, can become more efficient yeah. it yeah. become more intelligent as far as how it approaches the tasks. Exactly. Exactly. So once Kawil uh, convinces our hero not to kill IG-11, uh, and we see the montage of IG-11 learning to pour tea, or at least what I assume is tea or calf or whatever you yeah, want to he's, say. He's, he's learning to pour. Yeah. He's learning to <laughs> handle animals. He's learning to, yeah, he's, he's, going he's on... having a good old time. Yes. And uh, basically, IG-11, as the caretaker slash nurse for the child, comes on this journey with them yep and uh basically the end of the uh episode you know we see ig11 going off on this journey here yep. and then we get to the finale yep and in the finale um our pal ig11 has a pretty big moment doesn't he mac because right from the beginning of the last episode our heroes are in trouble our child has been captured and who can save him but IG-11? Yes. The who, ultimate hero. Who the taken, real Mandalorian, some would say. Because he's Did taken people say that? everything that he's learned. He's, uh, he's well, he never shows his face to a living being. Uh, uh, he's taken all he's learned from, like, his more domesticated things, hardwires it to his combat protocols he still has, and basically becomes like, 
an agro nurse. His whole thing is like, <laughs> I will protect the child. How to do that? Lethally. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. And so we see IG-11 uh, destroying a couple of scout troopers. We see him uh, very, um, shall we say, aggressively piloting a speeder bike and uh, taking out many, many stormtroopers as he goes. And basically plows his way into this bar that the rest of the group has been completely pinned in Mm -hmm. on. And it's like, oh, hi, where did you come from? <laughs> and it's like, I came from out there. It's like, can we go out that way? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one-way trip. Yeah. And not only does he save the child from the uh, clutches of Moff Gideon, but he also then is why they're able to escape that cantina because he's able to cut through mm-hmm. that emergency grate. And then he saves the life of our hero of the Mandalorian by giving him a back to spray after he's been injured. And he's the only thing that gets to see the Mandalorian's face out of all the characters we've Uh seen. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And this is the moment where not only does uh, the IG-11, you know, come full circle and kind of prove himself as a hero and as a, a friend to our allies here, to his allies, uh, he it's the moment for our for the Mandalorian where he kind of gets over his own personal character arc of uh, not trusting droids. Yeah, because we found that the Mandalorian had a bad experience with battle droids, which is why he has no <laughs> trust for droids. Exactly. Droids are a traumatic part of his past. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it's great to see that this character who is so purposeful in the show, even though he's only in a couple episodes, is such a catalyst for big moments in the Mandalorian's arc. Yeah. It's great to see uh, that a droid is a big part of a story like that. Yeah. And then he's asked to basically sacrifice him because they find that they're, they're floating this little gondola down towards yeah. the trap. Yeah. They're able to, the IG 11 kind of helps carry them all out and get everybody out and uh, protects them all. And then they, they are able to get into this gondola on a fire lake uh, piloted by a uh, very heavily adjusted or modified R2 droid. What we used to call in the back of the day, uglies. A droid that's made of a couple of droids. Yeah, we got to figure out if, what the, if there's an official name for that guy, for that droid. Oh, I hope so. Well, we'll do an episode on him later. Yeah, tall R2. Yes, tall R2. Uh, and so uh, IG-11 is able to essentially use his self-destruct. They send him out on his own in this, uh, in this gondola, on this fire lake. And he blows up a whole bunch of stormtroopers who are waiting to ambush them at the exit of a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Thus completing the heroic arc of the Mandalorian. Right? Isn't that Pretty what that much. shows about? Pretty much. Well, I mean, uh, well, again, it shows, again, this character. Because, I mean, I love one of the things that, like, is fun. Maybe it's because, like, I've watched Westworld mm-hmm. and um deus ex or uh, ex machina and like we've just been inundated with a lot of like ai or scary stories i my favorite thing about this is like like he's like no you don't have to sacrifice yourself yourself to die it's like i'm a robot no biggie yeah it's like what what, i don't care as long as you take care of the kid we're straight yeah, you got the kid, right? Yeah, cool. Programming's finished. I'm going to go blow up now. <laughs> and there's like there's just a wonderful like tragedy of Dude, you'd make an heroic sacrifice and you don't even know what those are, right? Like, we yeah. are imprinting all these emotions yeah. on the IG-11. IG-11 is just like, I'm just following my code, man. Who cares? And I love that about it because it makes it more tragic because, again, yeah. it's not IG-11 is not or IG-11 is not getting hurt. We, the audience, mm-hmm. and the characters who watch him go, they're the mm-hmm. ones getting hurt. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, very, very good. I very, hope to very see fun. him again. There is always a chance to bring him back, because where was he before the Mandalorian, if nothing else? And if not, he's a droid. We already rebuilt him once. There's got to be a way. Kawil Maybe there's IG, a... IG-12. Yeah, that's right. That's what we need. Yeah, that's what we need. Perfect. Perfect. Write it. It writes itself. I was to say, these droids are mass-produced. There's got to be a few copies of the same robot around. <laughs> Somebody call Favreau. Somebody get Watiti on the phone. Well, and I suspect, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've heard if they're doing the same thing, but I'm assuming they're doing the, like, corral of directors for season two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they have, they've announced. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I know. I haven't heard anything specifically, uh, but we did get the announcement that he'll be directing a Star Wars film. Which sounds great. So that's fun. Yeah. I mean, how how could you not? If you've seen uh, any of his other movies, you should be on board for that. 
So he, he, let I, alone his Star Wars. So God, he's a great director, and yeah, and the episode he directed here yeah. really shows that he gets the visual yeah. language of Star Wars as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I there. I don't think there's really anything else to say. He uh he is uh welcome in our Star Wars universe anytime for sure. All right. Well, let's move on to something else, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go blow up a planet. Commence primary ignition. <laughs> Test this new weapon system out on your home planet of Alderaan. <laughs> you know, I can't do a voice, but if I could, well, I probably wouldn't try. But, you know, what we're talking about right now, if you couldn't tell from that spot on impression from Mac What's just a moment ago. I mean, hey, for me, it was great for all the way across the room from you. Okay. Um, You know, I today we're going to talk about what might truly be i think you could make the argument one of the best if not the best scenes in all of star wars it's one of the most important fulcrums definitely in the entire movie yeah i uh, let me put it this way if if you asked if we asked say every guest we ever had on this show what is your favorite scene from all of star wars if someone gave me this answer i would be like yeah makes sense i get it makes sense because this is one of those moments especially being from the first ever star wars movie that um i think is not only one of the most quoted star wars lines among star wars fans but one of just the for the simple acting chops that you get from the two people in it uh one of the best bits ever and one of the things i love about this scene is darth vader's in it and doesn't have a line he just is a set i will give david prowse a a tip of the hat because he just he forms a wall. Yeah. Like, that's his job is like Princess Leia, like when she's really getting freaked out, is like starting to cower into him because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a hundred percent right. All right. So if you haven't figured out, we're doing the destruction of Alderaan. Um, a terrible mining accident. A that terrible was just disaster. A tragic, terrible, um, terrible disaster. Nothing to do with military conquest. At all. Nothing at all. So this scene opens up, depending on what version of A New Hope you're watching, about 57 minutes into the movie, give or take. Okay. Um, and it only lasts two minutes. It's just over like two minutes, 10 seconds. It's a very short scene overall. But it takes place pretty much entirely on the Death Star and outside of the viewport of the Death Star. Yes. And uh, basically we have Leia. Grand Moff, General Will of Tarkin. Yes. And Darth Vader, along with some other general cronies spread around the room. I don't know if you can... I don't think you can place anyone else in there, but I didn't watch that closely. I didn't go back and double check. The only character I think that might be there that has a name is the one who is the guy... Is maybe a background character who's the guy towards the end of the movie. Mm. It's like, should I get your shuttle ready, sir? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he has a name, but I can't remember. I'm sure, yeah. Your guys are good as mine on that one. Now, the scene opens up, and Tarkin is sort of having like a conversation off to the side. You can't hear what he's saying. And Darth Vader comes in with Leia walking in front of him as his prisoner. And right away, Tarkin just starts to turn around. He's not even finished with his other conversation yet. Not even facing her. And she just jumps right on him. This rude little 19-year-old. Like, this guy is in charge of the military of your government. And you're just going to jump right on him like that? Man, no wonder. No wonder. No wonder. These children have no respect. So, (laughs) she says to him, Governor Tarkin, I thought I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Who says that? If Who says that? Someone who is trying to cut because you know that Tarkin has a fine cologne. You know he smells great. <laughs> yes, he does. I'm having a really hard time keeping a straight face for this one. Uh, and then we have the, the moment where Tarkin is talking about, you know, man, I had a really tough time signing the order to execute your life. Yeah. Really hated doing it, princess. Really forced my hand on this <laughs> Why one, Why did you ya? make me do that to you? <laughs> and then I love Leia comes right back. She doesn't cower away. Oh, I'm surprised you had the courage to do it yourself. <laughs> She's just like really letting them have it here. Uh, and, and it's great. And, uh, you know, Tarkin is basically like, you know, after this battle station, nothing, like nothing can stand up against the empire. This is it. This is perfect. And what you don't realize, princess is I've won. 
It's over. It's over. Did you see my floating ball of death that stuck you with a needle? I mean, we have those. We won. It's over. <laughs> what else could be worse than that? We're going to crush all remnants of your rebellion and move right on to something else. <laughs> and Leia has this great line here about the more you tighten your grip, the more systems will slip, slip through your grasp, or however it's phrased. The tighter uh, you, you pull your grip, the more it will slip through your fingers. Yeah. It's really, really a great line and a great oh. bit of dialogue. It's it's the perfect example of totalitarianism of mm-hmm. like the more you grab, there's going to be stuff that squeezes out mm-hmm. because it's not watertight. You can't stop these. There's no way to bottle up all these people and make them just suffer by just tightening their noose over and, and over. And Leia over is a hundred percent right here. Right? It's the destruction of Alderaan that really starts the galaxy rebelling against the Empire. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of cells that have come together in this loose alliance. They just sort of kind of survive Scarif. I don't know if it was a major victory, but <laughs> it was a victory. Um, and their first victory. The, the, the the leftovers are hanging out on Yavin 4, figuring out, oh, God, what are we going to do? And then the second Alderaan happens and no one buys the mining incident, <laughs> um, people are like, wait, did they did they actually do that? My God, they need stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this is just Tarkin just soaking in this victory. Yeah, he's like, we're only doing this to test the destructive power, obviously. If you would just tell us the location of your base, we wouldn't have to we're do this. We're parked on Aldran because you haven't given me a military target. And of course, right, Le- Leia starts pleading here. This is like where her tone totally changes. You know, we have no weapons. We're peaceful. Please, you can't do this. And Tarkin goes, you want to provide another target, a military target? Then name the, the system. system. And basically, she's looking at a window that almost has just crosshairs painted over her, her you know, planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's lucky that that control room faces the same direction as the laser. I'm sure it's planned, I guess, huh? I've, I, I think it's just a screen. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I, I never took yeah. it as an actual physical like, yeah. hole. Uh, the, that's a good point. I think at the time, that's kind of how it's designed. But yeah, I, I, I feel you. Yeah, I, I think today we say like, oh, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice, is that a flat screen? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I like this hexagonal shaped uh, yeah. aspect ratio you have. I, that's a good point. <laughs> See, that's why I always thought it was a window, because it wasn't a rectangle. Because it's a weird... It's, yeah. And, but then you just got to think about all the other screens you see in Star Wars and go like, yeah. oh, they're all nonsense. Yeah. Look at this X-Wing. It's got like an oscilloscope and a circle <laughs> here, and then there's just some sort of crystal object <laughs> inside this square. Don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> this is like this is just like the crap that's in the background of the Enterprise. It's mm-hmm. just weird screens. Well, as Leia looks over the shoulder of Tarkin, she says, okay... They're on Dantooine. And, and she sells it. Yeah. Like, she sells it well of like, Dantooine. They're on They're Dantooine. On Dantooine. Yeah. And then you could just, Vader doesn't have any lines, but I just kind of feel Vader going like, bitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he doesn't even sense that she's lying. Yeah, he's just like, we got this. You got to love that, right? Right. And uh, and then Tarkin goes, okay, fire one ready. And she, she's like, what? What? And he goes, you're far too trusting. Like, I like he punishes whoa. her for being yeah. emotionally broken. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he's like, well, here's the thing. If you would have said, like, Corellia, sure, I'd maybe leave here and go blow that thing up. But you didn't. You said some dumb planet in the backwaters. That's not going to work. No one's going to see it. This is supposed to be on... The revolution will not be televised. My conquering of the revolution will be televised. <laughs> Now, what I love about this scene is when, well, one of the many things, of course, when Tarkin says you may fire when ready after she says Dantooine, there's like 25 seconds before they actually fire. So you as an audience member are sitting there kind of like, oh my God, is this actually going to happen? And then this planet blows up and you're like, man, this movie is brutal. 30 minutes ago. This poor kid's aunt and uncle just got roasted and we saw their burning skeletons. Ten minutes after that, an arm's getting chopped off completely and there's blood everywhere. everywhere. Then a guy's getting shot at point blank, blank range and just falling over dead in this cantina. This movie's PG. What is happening <laughs> and here? And what the heck? Jane Fonda's talking to Nixon here and he's going <laughs> to use a nuke. <laughs> like... It, it is brilliant yeah. because I think one of the most effective things about this scene that makes it so 
powerful. And just the destruction of Alderaan. It's not going to be until 2005 we see this place. Yeah. It's her selling yeah. of the fact of we're a peaceful planet. We have no weapons. It's where I come from. It's a, look, look what I'm wearing. You can imagine they're wearing stuff like this. This is this angelic Plato's Republic, beautiful, <laughs> like jewel of civilization that has figured out so many societal ills. And they're just a peaceful, you know, place that's their only like struggle is trying to spread that peace to other places. Yeah. She has that great line about like, think about Naboo 20 years ago. That's basically us. It, right? But even better. Even betterer. <laughs> we have mountains and snow caps. They don't have we those, do, I don't do. think. And, and so, like, you have that, and it's also soul to her. And then if it wasn't enough to see Leia just broken oh, yeah. by this, and Tarkin just, like, putting that little finger to his chin going, mm-hmm. like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. that made me mm-hmm. feel real mm-hmm. good inside. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the next thing that we think about with that is Obi-Wan being rocked light years uh-huh. away. Because it just ends. Like, they just cut away from that. They don't leave that observation room. There's no resolution for Leia. It just cuts to Obi-Wan. Yeah, you could almost imagine, like, the scene is more like a target turning around, like... Now you're going to be happy I'm executing you, right? Yeah, I probably feel pretty bad. <laughs> dark. Oh, that's well, dark. Think about how evil yeah. this man is yeah. because he's... The thing that's cool about Tarkin is Tarkin is not a traditional evil villain in the sense of he is a cultured, wise person. He extracted the information he thinks he needs out of Leia and he uses her to basically cement what he wants out of the entire galaxy. He's breaking Leia because he's like, I'm going to do this to the entire galaxy and no one will challenge the Empire, right? And he's just soaking that in and it's not an evil act to him. Mm -hmm, For him, mm -hmm. he's 100% justified of like, I'm a military leader that comes from a survival of the fittest kind of culture (laughs) and I'm looking at these these people who have like, we don't even have guns. I'm like, you don't even know what struggle is. You don't know what strife is. You are lame and moronic and stupid and just wasting all of your precious resources on not conquest, but just, I don't know, poetry. I loathe you. You represent everything (laughs) I want to eradicate from the galaxy. So I have no problems just blipping you off the map. The Tarkin way. Yeah. And the Emperor way. I mean, ultimately. Because, like, what I like about it is Tarkin has zero remorse. And you get the idea, like, you were saying, like, that conversation he's half having when Leia cuts in, it's probably like that. So we're going to put up Alderaan. It's all good. You you, you know it can work. Because, like, oh, it'll be like a minute? I could stall for a minute. I wouldn't have the correct dramatic effect. <laughs> like, there was never a point where Alderaan was going to survive this. Yeah. And he just did that to Leia because he just, like... It's a way to manipulate her mm-hmm. that could get mm-hmm. me what I want, and mm-hmm. I will kill two birds with one stone mm-hmm. today. Absolutely. But, like, Obi-Wan is just, like, doubling over a little bit, going, like, oh, oh. <laughs> and, you know, it's like it's like hearing an explosion 15 miles off. Like, he's like, I don't know what happened, but it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we, the audience, know exactly what happened. Yes, unfortunately, uh, we do. We were uh, subject to having to see it. Yes. Now, there is one group of people who had it even worse, probably, and that is the people on Alderaan. Yes. Uh, now, there is a great little story in From a Certain Point of View. Our that, favorite uh, Star Wars book. Our favorites. I mean, it's definitely collectively between us, yes. probably. Yes. We're going to do... We said we were going to do it earlier in the year, and we never did. We're going to eventually do like our top three or top five Star Wars books and canon, I think. Yeah. Something that something that we could, you know, now that we're kind of like the new expanded universe has been around long enough now that I think it's a good time to do it. Okay. Pencil that in for an empty promise that we made now. Hopefully we'll actually deliver on that. You know, I'm writing in my notes. We will definitely probably get back to it. We will definitely probably get back to it. Absolutely. I think. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fine. So anyway, in From a Certain Point of View, uh, soon we'll have to clarify that because there's a second one coming out. But anyway, for now, in the first From a Certain Point of View, there is a story that mostly uh, revolves around uh, Bria Organa, who is the queen ruler of Alderaan, Leia's adopted mother Mm -hmm. and husband to uh, Bale, our uh, big friend, Bale Organa. Well, whose husband is Bale Organa. Isn't that what I said? Mary, what did I say? You said Mary. 
don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Married to Bail Organa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and basically, there's a couple things, but the story is kind of like, uh-oh, Bail and Leia aren't back yet. What is going on? And it's basically Bria trying to, like, figure out what is happening. And then at the mm-hmm. end, Bail comes back and says, hey, I just got word that uh, Leia's ship has been destroyed. The Tanta V4 has been destroyed. What? And she's like, that's not possible. I need to see the evidence. And then all of a sudden, the Death Star appears in the horizon. They're kind of like on their balcony up looking at it. And they're like, oh, my God, the Death Star is here. Oh, no, that thing from Scarif. Because Bale knows about it, obviously. Yeah, Bale saw what it did to Jeddah. Uh-huh. And um, they're basically like, we need to evacuate people. And then the Death Star fires. And, and yeah, and you can kind of just feel that there's just a little bit of knowing of Bale of like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we need to get to our ship. We can try. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, though. It's a big walk to the hangar. <laughs> you just feel that there's some part like, man, at that one state dinner, I called Tar- Tarkin, oh, just a, a mongrel war dog. I regret that now. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have called him a moof milker. <laughs> moof milker. There you go. That's- <laughs> So, that was our really funny topic about the destruction of an entire planet. Well, we're going to say one more thing. I want to say one more thing from my end of the pool, the techie oh, go pool. Ahead, go ahead. So, just to describe what happens. So, this is oh. realistically the first time we have seen the Death Star, the ultimate weapon, tracing mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. episode two, finally do the thing it was designed to. In, you know, in Rogue One, we see it being used for, like, audible bombardment, mm-hmm. right? It's heavy-handed and it's powerful, but it's it's blowing up cities and regions and bases. Mm-hmm. This is where it actually does its job, where these kyber crystals that it has focus the energy through mm-hmm. this reflector dish and cause a laser with such intensity and cutting power. It literally drives through the crust down through all of the mantle into the planet core and causes that planet core to combust, destroying the planet in a complete systematic Mm -hmm. chain reaction. Mm -hmm. And it's very quick. Yeah. Very quick. Like the thing about rogue one is it gave us time to sort of sit in that explosion as it envelops the planet, but because it wasn't full power, because it wasn't destroying the whole planet, that's what sort of gives it that slow effect. You know, when you go back and you watch a new hope, I mean, Alderaan, that laser is on it for like two seconds, and then it's just a big ball of fire. Right, and we don't have all the prep work for firing it, because like we said, it's just kind of set up like, you might fire one wetty, and then we just sort of sit in that moment watching the techs here. We're not really seeing them like, mm-hmm. you know, the, we, we eventually get to the tunnel that has the beam, then we see the outside, all connect, boom. Yeah. It, it's very, very quick, and... yeah. Uh, one would argue, I think it's even a different color. It's more of a green all around mm-hmm. when it fires, whereas mm-hmm. it's more of an orangey glow, yellowy glow when it's just scraping the planet like it's in Rogue One. Oh. Like when space, yeah. I'm saying when it hits from space, but like when it hits Jetta, yeah. it's this like blinding orangey yellow oh, light. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Huh? And I think it's that's because like a... it's literally a different yeah. mode is what my, or, or it turns that color when it hits an atmosphere. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm kind of surprised at this point. And I think if Star Wars keeps going, which we expect it will. I'm assuming eventually someone will commit to film that. that Like that scene we just talked about with the Organas. Mm-hmm. Like I could see someone trying to film that sequence as part of some story mm-hmm. and just show the, finally show the planet's destruction from their point of view. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's so cold and offhanded the way we see it in, in New Hope mm-hmm. that it's our characters' reactions to it that makes us get the gut punch. Mm-hmm. We're not really seeing violence. It's not like Hossie and primes where people have the moment to go, what the heck is that death? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be honest. It's kind of one of the funny things about it is Star Wars has been chasing that particular high a number of times, whether it's rogue one sort of making mini versions of the destruction of, of you know, Alderaan mm. or it's, or it is like star killer base, which is trying to be like, you know what? Well, we blew up a whole system. That's even scarier than a planet. And I'm like, I think the one thing that makes this scene work and makes the destruction all around this, this, this pin in which everything revolves around the galactic civil war is because we don't get the catharsis of seeing people die. 
they're just gone. They're erased from existence. There is no, there's no whimper. There is no cheer. There is just, they're gone. Everything that they could have been and everything they ever would be was just snuffed out completely. And that's why so many great characters like, you know, like Winter is an example of one of like, you get to see the characters who are like survivors and how much that just is awful and how displaced of a people they are. Because mm-hmm. I think that, depending on who you ask, like there's only like a couple thousand of them total. There's like yeah. hardly any because you live on this wonderful ideal planet. Why would you leave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um and, and, you know, I, uh, I talked a few weeks ago when I was on my solo one about galaxies, Star Wars galaxies, the, um, video game. And I'm like, it's such to me, a rallying cry of the remember Alderaan is this rallying propaganda line from, you know, the rebels. Cause it's like, remember they did that on a whim. Like that's what they're doing when they're bored. <laughs> mm-hmm. These aren't even the atrocities that are actually the most like scarring. They're just, you know, cause those people died instantly they they haven't been enslaved for 20 years like the wookies they haven't been being you know systematically you know destroyed like some of these planets with all this industrial pollution and all this kind of stuff being just slowly eaten away at like mm-hmm. um the imperial war machine can go slow and it can go fast but it always is going against us mm. <laughs> so that's it yes i mean yeah I just I, yeah you're right it's 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 one of the most powerful scenes and arguably probably the most defining moment i think of princess leia as a character because it shows both sides it mm-hmm. shows her as the strong leader of a rebellion just hey look here's like the secretary of defense of this entire entire military you know um industrial society and she's just like oh you smell bad like has no cares for him but when he turns the thumbscrew, we see the empathetic, motherly, passionate, caring person she is mm-hmm. also come out. Mm-hmm. It is a scene that it's hard to top. No matter how many more Star Wars movies come out, it will always be one that I think stands out. A uh, big Absolutely. part of it due to Peter Cushing's acting, of course, and of course, Carrie Fisher. And But uh, it's just the two of them together. It is a fantastic uh, just sort of happenstance moment in film that just kind of worked out perfectly. Uh, And one of the uh, best things about Star Wars, in my opinion, is having the ability to put Tarkin in other stories. Like when we saw him for half a second at the end of episode three, everybody lost their minds, even (laughs) though, you know, he had no dialogue and was really just a set piece. Uh, and then we see him in the Clone Wars a little bit and we get to see young Captain Tarkin and we get to see him working for the Republic and, you know, just find out that he's a military man. He's serving whoever is in power. Right. Right. And then we get to see him in Rogue One uh, right before his, you know, moments with Leia on the Death Star, basically. Yeah. We we, we see that Tarkin is a politician because yeah. I love that Krennic builds this thing, essentially. And Tarkin's like, oh, this is amazing. It's mine. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the destruction of Alderaan, one of the most impactful scenes of all Star Wars, and I would say charming to the last. Star Wars is for everyone. Every day, we have the ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively. Whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people, let them know that they're loved. Just regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all, and it's always been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds, genders, that were all together at Star Wars Celebration to celebrate the things we love. Sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the Empire when you're trying to champion what's right. But remember, it takes all of us to fight an Empire. So join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. 
All right, another Star Wars all in Woo. comes into the docking bay. This was a fun one. Two topics. Yeah. Uh, we've had a long day, each of us in our own way, and we decided two topics was enough for tonight. Yeah. With, with, if you live in the United States, you've had a troubling couple of weeks, and we have been there with you, <laughs> seeing all kinds of things you may not agree with. Um, I'll leave it there. Uh, but the whole thing about it is like, um, well... Um, Black Lives Matter and COVID's still a thing. Just want to say that. Yeah, world is crazy. Um, but uh, luckily we have uh, Star Wars to help us get us through. And oh, yeah. I can only speak to me personally, but uh, Star Wars is one of those things that has helped me through uh, difficult times. So yeah. it is uh, always a great thing to lean back on if you're stressed out or having a rough day for whatever reason. Uh, you know, uh, hey, I'm happy it's here for us. I'm happy we're getting more. And uh, I will forever be grateful to Disney for giving us more when I thought we wouldn't. So all all about it. We've had a busy couple weeks. Let's see. uh, Star Wars Squadrons got announced. The new Star Wars game. Not only that, a new Star Wars game coming out in like three and a half months. Yeah. um, Thanks to, uh, you know, the Electronic uh, Entertainment Expo E3 being canceled, like, video game news is slipping out in weird odd angles and ways because this thing <laughs> yeah. got leaked and then ea is like well we know it's leaked so we're gonna announce it on monday mm-hmm. oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah which it had been pushed back a couple times already uh so i'm glad we finally got it not a 60 dollar game um kind of the no. first surprise uh fully vr compatible the whole thing can be played on playstation vr which is pretty cool i am excited about i that. know you are i know you are um Let's see. It's got a story mode. It's got online. It's got five versus five. It's got kind of big fleet battles. And establishes that um, Trandoshans can fit in an X-Wing cockpit. (laughs) Apparently. That's what's important. And uh, Hera was in that trailer, which was cool to see. Uh, So uh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Um, uh, Shadowfall, the second book in the Alphabet Squadron series, Mm -hmm. comes out... um, Pretty much a week after this episode is going to air, give or take six, seven days. So, um, you know, that's coming out soon. The first Alphabet Squadron book was great. Uh, yes. Now available in paperback. So if you want to pick it up uh, on the on the low end of cost, uh, you can do that. Uh, don't forget, local libraries are always a thing. So if you sure. can't afford it, you can still probably access it. Um, and another sort of yeah. sour note, um, but probably good for safety. Uh, Star Wars Celebration has finally uh, canceled. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so they're they're moving. They're going to stay in the same place. They're going to be in Anaheim, but we're going to skip over all of 2021 and go right to basically the same time frame. Mm-hmm. It was originally in August, but in 2022. Yeah. So a little bit of a change of pace. Uh, Star Wars all in should be there. We will be uh, there. I mean, there's really no reason to think. Mac, you already have a ticket. I always say, yeah, mine just moves forward. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said that even though I wasn't able to go this year, I would be going next year, which now has turned into two years from now. And as long as I can get a ticket. Yeah. And I think I the, be there. the kind of crazy thing when you think about it is like where Star Wars will be when we get there. It's be a little bit of a different place because we may already know a lot about a new movie, for instance. Because. Yeah. Yeah. First one. It'll come out like two months after that. Yeah, exactly. So it'll Supposedly, be interesting yeah. to be in the hype cycle for whatever the next chapter of cinematic yeah, Star Wars. Because we should is. really already have a trailer at that point and a movie, so we might be getting like a second trailer. Yeah, so the panels, let's say the panels could be like going in depth on mm-hmm. uh, new Star Wars movie, untitled Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably be seeing you know the previews for season four of The Mandalorian. Um, uh, you know. It's going to be a weird place. Yeah, that's I'm true. I'm hoping Dave Filoni's on some other animated project by then. <laughs> yes. More Dave Filoni is all we ever ask And we'll for. be like two years into the High Republic. Oh my God. Yeah, we will. Yes, we will. The future is bright for Star Wars. It is, isn't it? Um, new episodes of Gallery still airing. Still one that's episode true. to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's new Star Wars still airing. Uh, Queen's Peril just came out, which is a, we've said it before, I'll say it again, uh, fantastic novel. I mm. loved it. One of my favorite Star Wars novels uh, in recent memory, for sure. Absolutely loved it. Highly recommend it if you're a prequels fan. Yeah. Uh, anything else new? I got my Shadow Trooper, my Force Ooh. Unleashed 6-inch Black Series Shadow Trooper the other day uh, that I had pre-ordered from GameStop. Uh very excited about that. Any Force Unleashed figures you want to give me? <laughs> I am on board. Um, 
again, exciting times. One thing, one thing I thing about like celebration of like, cool, I'll probably go to the Disneyland uh, Galaxy's Edge by then. Uh-huh. That's like two years away. Yeah, you got to go before then. I like, I really kind of want to go to Galaxy's Edge before then. I, I think I think I might plan very early 2022 or 2021 to go to the one in Florida. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think I'll be able to hold out for the hotel because who knows where the plans of that are going to uh-huh. get upset. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter. I'll be going to Galaxy's Edge a number of times in the rest of my life. <laughs> that's a thing. That's right. That is but uh, that is right. I, I think that's all I have to say about yeah. with Star Wars. So, Oh, I have one more yeah. thing. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. I am five books away from completing my Legends collection. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. The main line. So out of 146 books, I only mm-hmm. need five more. Dang. I'm on my way. You've been busy. Yeah. I know. I got like 20 in the mail right now. <laughs> the Star Wars library is getting close to completion yeah, until yeah. you change today, the rules of completion. I, I just got a new bookshelf today, too. Uh, another another new bookshelf. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's going well. I was actually doing some measurements today to try and figure out if I could create like rows, you know, like a library. Yeah. Uh, and I found out the only way I could hypothetically really do it would be taking my desk out. And unfortunately, as much as I would like it to only be a Star Wars room. It does have to serve multiple masters. Somewhat of a purpose from time to time. Yeah, I mean, that's that is interesting. Although though. maybe we won't be working from home as much anymore. So that's maybe, true. Maybe that's, that's true. true. That's true. Well, yeah. anyway, <laughs> Star Wars is great, isn't it? It is. I really am a fan of Star Wars. <laughs> and we will be back to talk more Star Wars. But I'm Mac <laughs> and I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, <laughs> may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.